0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Word Books with Friends. In this episode, I'm Paul, and I'll be discussing with my co-host... It's me, I'm Chris. uh, Chapter 7 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, The Sorting Hat. Uh, Harry's already gone shopping, he's got on the train, he's now at Hogwarts, he's got led into the castle by a very stern Professor McGonagall. This is not uh, the McGonagall that I feel like we get in the
1: movies. Our pre-episode discussion, I just said, you know, this is not hashtag My McGonagall, because the McGonagall we get so far in the books versus the McGonagall that we get in the movies by Maggie Smith, that McGonagall, like, there's a warmth to it that just hasn't come through in the book so far and granted we're only seven chapters into the first book of which there's seven books so all of these characters kind of grow and you get to know them more over time and a lot of those characters we're going to get to know within you know the next few chapters here but yeah this mcgonagall like i said before uh we were recording depending on what day it is if you ask me who my favorite harry potter character is it could change like from day to day. Uh, I'm admin. You know McGonagall's is one of my favorites. But reading this McGonagall. Like I, I don't feel like I can say it. At this point yet.
0: Yeah no. This is a very stern. Very strict. By the book. And she even lays it out. Like hey this is going to be your life. For here at Hogwarts. These are common rooms. Hey we got the, some Ghosts that you're going to be, you're going to be sorted into these houses. They're going to be like your family. You're going to earn points. You're going to earn demerits. and it's very, uh, very by the book. Uh, and then we actually get to, you know, when soon she leaves the room, we actually get to meet some of the uh, Hogwarts ghosts, the, namely the Friar, and he's talking about Peeves, the poltergeist.
1: Yeah, which I. I wish they had done something with Peeves in the books, especially. Uh, gosh, where the uh, Fred and George Weasley finally just wind up being like, "Okay, you know what? We're out." It's order. Okay, yeah, because it's when uh, Umbridge is there, and they like they literally like have that moment with Peeves, where they're just like, "Give her hell! <laughs> like, just do it." <laughs> I love that moment. I would have killed to have that actually in the movies.
0: And it's so strange because for that first movie, which is such a kid movie, you would think you'd want this slapsticky, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of that classic over the top cartoon
1: character. I imagine like very Benny Hill, like like he's because he's there like and he's kind of a force of nature. They even mention this like oh, nobody can control peeves except for the Bloody Baron, who eventually will learn is the Slytherin house ghost. Uh this is kinda of like the only one that can just like put his foot down and keep peeves from just like bouncing off the walls. And so here we meet the friar the ghost uh what is his name? The the fat friar. He's the uh Hubblepuff House ghost.
0: Later on we'll meet uh headless Nick. Nearly headless Nick,
1: so. Nearly headless Nick. Well how can you be nearly headless?
0: Yeah, it's only <laughs> it only goes through. Dark story <laughs>
1: And he's a Gryffindor
0: uh, ghost. And we don't get mentioned here the Ravenclaw ghost at all. No,
1: uh, the the Grey Lady doesn't come in until much later. I honestly don't even remember where we start to find out about her more because I know we find out her history in a Half-Blood Prince. Um, Mm -hmm. But strangely enough, it all does kind of wind up tying back in where she was wound up uh, being killed by who is the Slytherin house ghost, the Bloody Baron. So they're kind of always going to be tied together, you know, life and death. Dark stuff for, like, kids' book, but, you know what? Only the first two are like kids' books, I think.
0: Yeah. And then it quickly gets in a young adult. Uh, and then, finally, you know, you get all that anxiety, you get all that sweating, you get, you know, uh, everybody very nervously getting into the room and being told they got to take a test and that's how they're going to be sorted and what
1: and what makes it worse is they don't know what the test actually entails because the only look into it we have is from Ron and Harry which Harry has no idea what he's going to have to do like are they going to make him do magic he doesn't know anything and then Ron's just constantly been lied to by Fred and George so he thinks it could be anywhere between having to like was like wrestle something
0: r- wrestle a troll
1: yeah Wrestle Troll uh, to something else that's going to wind up being painful. Lo and behold, there's something much simpler than that, where it's it's the sorting hat. One of kind of the key pieces of Hogwarts lore, and I think at this point, pop culture, because my mom's never read any of the Harry Potter books. I think she's only seen like the first two movies. But if you mention to her sorting hat, she's automatically gonna know what you mean
0: uh, I just uh, feel like even in this moment of you know you're in a ca- magic castle you're in, You're going to be faced with a magic challenge I really enjoy that it's Ron and Harry together just nervously sweating it out about having to perform a test in front of everybody because that mm-hmm. is a relatable moment in this completely unrelatable situation Yeah, because there's a baseline there that we can all grasp onto and the sorting cat. Woo! How, how lucky do you think you'd feel? But still nervous because it's still in front of everybody. Yeah, <laughs> well, Even though it's a simple task of just putting it on a
1: hat, you'd still... Well, even at that point, with his limited knowledge of the wizarding world, when they walk into the Great Hall uh, with its magic ceiling, which Hermione's quick to point out, like, no, it's enchanted to look like, this, like the sky. It's not actually the sky. Again, just kind of sealing in... Hermione not super likable so far in the book. Harry even thinks so he's gonna to have to try to pull a rabbit out of that hat and he doesn't know how to do that you know we we quickly learn that the sorting hat you wind up just putting it on your head and it will wind up sorting and for this there's actually a Pottermore note in the digital copy of the book that I have uh, which states that, the Sorting Hat actually contains the collective intelligence of the four founders. So God of Gryffindor, Helga Hufflepuff, Rowena Ravenclaw, and Salazar Slytherin. And it takes into account everything that they kind of input in deciding who goes to which house. The Sorting Hat has its own kind of say in everything. And it is adamant on the fact that it has never been wrong. And even if it puts someone into a house where you could argue it doesn't belong, it will have some sort of reason for saying, no, here's the reason why. Like, it's cognizant enough that it has its own personality. Uh, And it actually winds up using the magic skill of Legilimency, which we'll learn about uh, later on, because Snape teaches it to Harry to kind of block the Dark Lord out of his head to delve into the students' thoughts to find out just where they belong. Uh, And side note, a lot of this comes just from JK Rowling trying to figure out how she would wind up sorting people into everything. And her initial thought was just to have a machine that would magically do it. But then she was like, well, that's a lot to try to describe. And then she moved on to, there would be almost animated statues, one for each of the four founders of Hogwarts that would kind of pick and choose who they wanted in their houses. And then that just kind of moved into, well, that's just kind of people picking stuff. How else do you pick things? Well, you can go eeny, meeny, miny mo. You can put names into a hat, names in a hat. A hat goes on people. The hat picks the people. Uh-huh. So it's just like a weird chain of thought. Like it's a game of telephone for her to get to the point where it's like, no, it's like they put on a magic hat. And the magic hat is what says, hey, this is the house that you're in.
0: Like, because the hat delves into your mind instead of your name going in the hat. hat. No, no, I like that.
1: Fun storytelling because it's, she could have, I feel, done an bridge like, oh, well, here's this machine that picks who goes where. But ultimately for her, it was easier just to say, oh, no, it's a magic hat that that knows where you go.
0: And I'm glad it wasn't just the statues, like, picking people, because then it feels, at the, like, grade school level, it feels like gym class. It feels like,
1: yeah, it feels like dodgeball. Yeah,
0: and you're like, ugh, you know, oh, did I get picked because I was picked almost last, and that's why I went there? Does it have to be even? No. This sorting cat magically, you know, it picks you based on who you are. And sorts you into the correct house, like okay, cool. There's no question about like uh, popularity or anything like that. It's it is the ruling judge that's learning something about you. It's it's all to, the choice is ultimately coming from you, which we see uh, when Harry puts on his hat
1: finally. And one of the things that we learn about the Sorting Hat later on is it literally spends all year thinking up the song that's going to wind up singing at the next sorting ceremony. But this is actually one of the songs that winds up being moved from the books into the very first movie. So many of the songs that wind up popping up throughout the books get cut. But I think this one winds up making the cut because it's such a clear and concise way to get across what each one of the houses are and what they stand for that. It's one of those pop culture moments that when you hear it and you find out what the houses are, that everyone kind of has one of those moments. And I'm not going to go through the whole song uh, because a lot of it's just the sort of hit singing about different houses. Uh, but just from the start, uh, you might belong in Gryffindor, where dwell the brave of heart, their daring nerve and chivalry set Gryffindors apart. You might belong in Hufflepuff, where our... Where they are just and loyal, those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. Or yet, in wise old Ravenclaw, if you are a ready mind, where those of wit and learning will always find their kind. Or perhaps in Slytherin, you'll make your real friends, those cunning folk use any means to achieve their ends. Just in those, like, few lines, you kind of get the bare bones, like, okay, this is the house, this is this house, this is this house. And the first time I read this book, I was going to Buff State College. I was reading books on the bus to and from school because at that point I didn't have my license. And reading this kind of just like lyrical flow made me think like, oh, I would be a Ravenclaw. I, I would be a Ravenclaw until I continued on reading the books. And then finally I was like, oh, no, Gryffindors were upset. I'm going to be in Gryffindor. And I have like a lot of Gryffindor merchandise from that time until Pottermore launched. And then I took their sorting hat quiz, which pointed me into Ravenclaw, which I didn't feel bad about because I was like, oh, yeah, well, Ravenclaw was kind of my first house anyways. In my heart, I felt that way. Uh, So, Paul, what would your house be?
0: Yeah, I thought I was, uh, you know. Was kind of smart, and, uh, you know, was more into wit and learning, and I thought I would be Ravenclaw, and when Pottermore came out, I was sorted into Slytherin, I'm like, ah, I don't know if that's right. So I went over to my other email address, and did the quiz again, and got Slytherin again. So, uh, yeah. Which,
1: which I am admin, is like the most Slytherin thing you can do, is try to cheat the sorting
0: <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, uh... And honestly, I can understand that because, you know, it's uh, the cunning folks that will use any means to achieve their ends. I am known to take shortcuts uh, when I'm trying to get a project done. I'm, I'm of the mind that uh, perfect should not be the enemy of done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I,
1: I can't disagree with that either. Yeah. If I have to, you know,
0: cut a corner here or there, like, I'm going to kind of do it and just to get it done so i guess that makes me a little bit more slytherin than i like to firstly admit but yeah mm. I, I think it's true i
1: well i mean just as you know one of your friends who's known you for over a decade yeah. i i think slytherin and Ravenclaw cloud kind of be your your balancing act like both of those i think apply to you um thank you for at least uh, no. that Ravenclaw. yeah no like <laughs> that's okay uh and actually like I've taken a lot of just like those buzzfeed like, oh, here, what Harry Potter house are you? Click on these like 10 images to find out. And for me, it actually winds up being usually like Hufflepuff as that like side house, which again, it's like just kind of that warmth and openness, which I could kind of see me in that because uh, I don't buy into astrology at all, but I'm a Libra and everything about Libras when I read it kind of sums me up as a person because I'm so just kind of go with the flow balance. Like what it is is what it is. And that's a very Hufflepuff trait. I just think I'm a little bit too uh, smart ass and well will actually, and that's where the Ravenclaw takes over on things. So I, I think, okay, Paul, it comes down to it. Pottermore sorted you into hat into Slytherin. Now, say you're a hat stall, and a hat stall is where you're on the sorting hat for f- five minutes or more. Do you go Slytherin, or do you go Ravenclaw?
0: on oh, a hat stall. Oh It'd be tough. I, I wouldn't know. Like, I, that's, I would be upset with a sorting hat. I'm like, dude, you're supposed <laughs> to tell me right this, now. This is your job. You're worthless. And I'd probably try, like... Yeah, be like, come on, do your darn job, you so oh, thing. And then at that point it goes, Slytherin!
1: That's a Slytherin <laughs> trait. Because uh, one of the things that we learn is Harry actually winds up being a hat stall. Like, the hat's considering putting him into Slytherin because, yeah, you know what? You could go very far in Slytherin. But it's due to Harry saying, like, not Slytherin, not Slytherin, because he already kind of has that feeling just based off his interactions with Malfoy that the hat puts in over in Gryffindor. Fun facts. It comes, there's mentions in the, the chapter here where it takes a little bit of time sitting on someone's head before the hat actually says where they're placed. And two of the ones that we find out are Hermione Granger and Neville Longbottom. And it turns out that both of those were almost hat stalls with Hermione being between Gryffindor and Ravenclaw. And then Neville being between Gryffindor and Hufflepuff, which both of those, as soon as you hear them, you're like, well, yeah, either one of those houses makes sense for either one of those characters, but ultimately seeing where they wind up in the story. Yeah. Gryffindor makes total sense for both of them.
0: Uh, especially since Neville becomes really good at herbology, which is, for whatever reason, a
1: uh, Hufflepuff yeah. Which again, Professor Sprout is the head of Hufflepuff house in the in the books. Much like we have uh, McGonagall as the head of Gryffindor, Snape as Slytherin, and uh, Flitwick for Ravenclaw. But we'll get to those probably later on in the books too. So, due to the hat stall, Harry could have been placed either in Gryffindor. Or Slytherin, and it's specifically because he asked the hat not to put him in Slytherin. How different do you think the story would have been if he had been placed in Slytherin?
0: I'm not sure how different it would be because at this point he's already befriended Ron, right? And I don't think Ron's going to turn a, him away. And, and you know, if Harry's like, "Dude, I still want to hang out," when like, they still will have classes together. And I think they'll meet up like you know, at the library and stuff like that and kinda of talk about how things are going. And I think Harry is kinda of gonna get picked on if he goes in the Slytherin house because he already rejected Malfoy. Mm-hmm. You know? And I don't think Malfoy's gonna be like, Oh, now you're in Slytherin, you're in my house, so you know, let's let bygones be good bygones. I think he's gonna kinda of have to basically deal with the Dursley's gang again, but you know, the magical equivalent. Inside of the Slytherin, you know, commoner. And he just kind of ducking quietly go his own way. I agree.
1: Um, as much as it'd be fun to think, like, uh, what would happen if Harry kind of fell to that Slytherin, like, ambition and gone to the dark side, I think at this point, Harry had spent so much time lacking in a real world and just, like, appreciated everything that came to him that the lines had already been drawn for him. Like he wanted to be good. He would be more on that Snape side of Slytherin, that Slughorn side of Slytherin where, yeah, there's an ambition and want for greatness there, but it's not going to temper who they are as a person.
0: The only question I would then have is how would Snape treat him in Slytherin? Like would Snape then suddenly realize like, oh, maybe there's a little bit of his mother in him? versus seeing his dad like
1: or that's definitely something i want to talk about more in the next chapter uh the potions master actually because he doesn't like harry but how would it have been different if he had been placed in you know snape's house with slytherin it's really hard to say cuz i mean there's a lot of venom behind the scenes there yeah
0: and we'll definitely get to it that next chapter, but we do want to have mentioned uh, the school song. Uh,
1: well, bef- Before we get to the school song, we actually wind up getting our first real glimpse of Professor Elvis Dumbledore, who's the head of Hogwarts, which after we've only seen him in a chocolate frog card, Dumbledore gives like a quick speech, which I'm going to quote right now. Welcome. Welcome to a new year, Hogwarts. Before we begin our banquet, I would like to say a few words, and here they are. Nitwit Blubber, augment, tweak. Thank you. And that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is definitely uh, a young, young reader's idea of a goofy, kind of funny wizard. It's definitely not the character that we get in
1: the later book. I, I feel like a lot of that is just to kind of show that dichotomy of the character because right after this happens, Harry kind of leans over. And says to Percy Weasley, uh, you know, House Prefect, is he a bit mad? And Percy says, mad? No, he's a genius. Best wizard in the world. But is he a bit mad? Yes. Like, it's, it's kind of given that, like, no, he's a fantastic wizard, but there's a, a little bit off about him. And to see this Dumbledore, you know, the Dumbledore that has the secret password to get to his office a different candy each week to the Dumbledore that we get later on in the book, which, again, spoilers, we're reading these books and these chapters with the knowledge of where everything ends up. But the Dumbledore that's there to kind of groom Harry to die so Voldemort can be destroyed, like, it's it's very different. And so much of Dumbledore is a secret as we go through these books, and specifically this book, too. Even later when we get to, like, the mirror of ericent and it's like oh what did dumbledore see oh i'm i'm wearing comfy socks well we know that's a lie but you know when you read this book yeah like it this chapter especially it's just oh he's kind of baddie. it's fun you're in a wizarding world hey eat all of this delicious food
0: yeah and what a cool feast right like magically everything appears and when i watch the Harry Potter movies over and over again. Like, that's the one thing I'm most jealous of, is the grand, uh, those
1: great hall scenes. This, like, first feast where you see Ron kind of double-fisting, like, like the turkey legs, I'm just like, yeah, Ron, I'm right there with you. <laughs> like, like <laughs> go get it.
0: Uh, the one thing that I don't list or know what they are are peppermint humbugs.
1: Yeah, that I don't know either. That might just be a British thing more than a wizard thing. Cause it sounds like it could be a wizarding thing, but I honestly don't know. Because even Harry seems kind of weirded out that they're there. Because it's like a, and for some reason, this is here too. But I don't know. But we get a lot of like wizarding backstory where Harry starts to learn a little bit more about his fellow Gryffindors, um, not just Nearly Headless Nick, but also Seamus Finnigan has his moment to tell his story. Neville Longbottom tells kind of his wizard origin story. And this leads up to the very first time in the books that we wind up getting Harry to feel his scar burning. While Professor Quirrell's talking to a pale-skinned, greasy-haired professor, who turns out to be kind of the main antagonist for Harry for the next few years outside of Voldemort.
0: He's, he's the uh, mid-level boss, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, and that's Professor Snape, uh, the hooked-nosed teacher
1: who teaches... Uh, he teaches potions, but everyone knows he, he wants dark arts. Again, and th- this is all set up to make us, you know, kind of vilify Snape a little bit more before we get kind of that opposite side of Dumbledore where it's Dumbledore standing up to give another speech where it's, hey, don't go to here because you'll die. Yeah. Again, it's kind of just putting in that little bit of grave attitude that we, we've we seen glimpses of. But I think at this point it's a little bit more severe. Like I think you're supposed to believe it a little bit more because it's Dumbledore this great wizard that we've just been introduced to fully, the oddment tweak blubber guy is not like, uh, don't go here unless you want to die. Also first years, don't go here and don't do this.
0: And Harry even laughs like when he hears the warning, because he's like, Oh, this guy's just being kind of doofy. And first he's like, Nope, he's serious. Yeah. Kind of normally he gives us a reason weird that weird that he does.
1: Then right after that though, they kind of undercut that again with Dumbledore asking everybody to sing the school song, to which he provides the lyrics, very nice of him. But also, he says, everyone pick your favorite tune. So the Hogwarts like fight song doesn't have a specific tune, and you just kind of sing it however you want. And it is noted in here, too, that the Weasley twins are the very last ones to finish singing because they decided to sing it as a funeral dirge.
0: Uh, yeah, and it is not a great school song either. It it feels very much like a what I imagine a summer
1: camp song to be like. It's the camp the camp Anawana song.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's my only real interaction with summer camps. That and from uh, the what is it the second Anna Family movie? Oh yeah. Yeah, when they go to summer camp and also one episode of uh, This American Life from NPR where they talk about summer camp.
1: So I I can't be 100% on this, but I want to say to this very day, like years and years and years of being a Harry Potter fan, I don't think I've read this entire song because, again, the very first line forward is Hogwarts, Hogwarts, hoggy, warty, Hogwarts, teach us something, please. At that point, I'm kind of just like, oh, well, I can just look through the rest of the words and then pick up where everything's not italicized anymore Mm -hmm. and get back to the story. I don't know if I've ever actually read this entire song because even now, like looking at it, I'm like, I don't want to.
0: There's the line that gets me, which is uh, teach us some, you know, uh, our whole Holtz could do with filling with something, some interesting stuff for now they're bare and full of air that flies in bits of fluff. I'm like, wow. That's that's a school song right there. Okay, cool, cool. It feels more like a. <sighs> that's, yeah. Wow. But do you know your high school fighting song? Fight song at all? I don't.
1: I really don't. But see, like in high school, I wasn't that person. I had my circle of friends. I kept to myself. I, I was a nerd, you know. Like I didn't have to branch out into other groups. Like I had people that I knew, liked, and trusted. I never got hassled because I was, like, a like a cool nerd. Like, I didn't get crap from people. But I wasn't into, like, any of the other school activities. Like, I didn't go to games. I didn't go to homecoming. Like, over on Bangboard, Board, John was my prom date. Like, because who was supposed to be my prom date? Uh, my girlfriend. We wound up breaking up, like, two months before prom. Like, it was it was what it was like. I I wasn't cool, but like, I, I kind of snuck by.
0: I was in marching band and I don't know.
1: Nerd. You probably had to play it. I I did.
0: Yeah. But I don't know the lyrics or or anything. I can't even tell you the melody now. Yeah. So I, at least this is interesting and maybe memorable if we ever read it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, they they finish up the feast. We get some more stuff with the ghosts, uh, and then everyone winds up heading to their common rooms for the night, where we find a uh, the Gryffindor one is a behind a portrait of a fat woman in a uh, silk dress. The ever changing password the first time is Caput Draconis, which is Latin, and I looked it up for the dragon's head. Um, it will change again from time to time, uh, but yeah, that's kind of it, they go to their their cozy rooms, and that's kind of the end of Harry's first day over at Hogwarts.
0: Yeah, but I do want to talk about the dream he has where, you know, suddenly the
1: sorting hat is
0: Professor Quill's turban and it's telling him that there's <laughs> been a mistake and he must be transferred to Slytherin at once. And then when he refuses it, like, basically uh, suffocates him, you know? Uh, so
1: he struggles Okay, so I, I didn't write this down as something to talk about, but I thought it was interesting just knowing where we kind of wind up in the story and like what's what. But a lot of it, I think, could just be attributed to Harry's anxiety about not knowing who he is at this point and his place in the world. Like, I don't think there's.
0: You don't think it's uh, actually.
1: A little bit of occlumency going on with uh, with Voldemort. I I don't think so. I mean, it, I'm not saying it's not possible, but I don't know. I just I feel like it's mostly just based off of Harry not knowing not knowing where he belongs, and it kind of even goes back to a couple chapters ago where he's already had this fantastic experience where he's. He's met a half giant who told him, like, no, like, you're not the person you thought you were. You're destined for so much more. And then he wakes up the next morning like, no, none of this is true. Like, this didn't happen. I think it's just that I don't know who I am yet, and I'm being placed into this situation. Like, it's easier to second guess what you're being told that it is to accept it.
0: But after that, you know, he has a big day ahead of him for day of classes. And we got another... Whole episode coming to you soon where we're going to be discussing that in chapter 8.
1: Oh, that's, that's the, the worst first day of school you can have.